0: Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling.
1: This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show,
2: Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Hoping to talk to uh, David Locke coming up here momentarily. uh, David Locke, uh, his interview brought to you by our friends at Murdoch Hyundai. During the month of May, get 0% for 84 months plus no payments until January of 2021 with the 2020 Elantra or Tucson Murdoch Hyundai in Linden and Murray. We know the folks at Murdoch very, very well, Gordon. Uh, They'll take great care of you, and we're hoping to talk to David Locke coming up here soon. That's
0: been my experience there.
2: Yeah, good people. No doubt about it. Always uh, have taken great care of, uh, of our listeners. It'll be fun to talk uh, some jazz basketball with David Locke. Uh, also, uh, I know David has been watching the uh, D- Michael Jordan docuseries like the rest of us, uh, Gordon, and has, uh, has uh, many opinions on that as well. So lots of stuff yeah. to cover um, with david and the jazz are, are back working out uh, gordon we have not really seen the names of who's been in the facility and we know that there's uber precautions going on you know only one-on-one activity and those sorts of things but uh i i wonder how much work they're able to get in under the circumstances
0: why 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 the secrecy around who's uh, who's in there practicing
2: um, I don't know. Other than maybe they don't want to violate some privacy on who can get back and who can't. I'm, I'm not oh, sure actually, okay. uh, Gordon. Yeah, I didn't know. Uh, have I you don't... seen reports of specific players uh, across the league? Because I have not. No,
0: I, now, I might have and just I, missed it. Yeah, I, I just wondered. It's not like I'm burning to find out who. Uh, I imagine at this point in time that most of the guys, every guy who has access to any kind of facility is probably working out as best he can now the jazz have been doing the viral thing right they've been working the out zoom stuff yeah yeah the not, zoom, not yeah. the
2: viral stuff let's, well, let's be very let's be yeah. very careful with our words there
0: thank you appreciate the correction <laughs> but anyway uh yeah so the guys are trying to i guess i was trying to say virtual but, i think so uh jeez oh, oh man okay
2: let's get out of the sprint special guest (laughs) line
0: that's that's probably worse than your pro bowler yeah that wasn't
2: good uh they make it safe and easy to get what you need online visit sprint.com for online services and local store availability of course he's the radio voice of the utah jazz he's the one and only david Locke. hello david how are you happy wednesday i'm good
3: what just happened
2: I don't know, Gordon Gordon was going for virtual, and it came out viral, which just has a total different meaning in today's... Uh, no, no, uh, that, is, that is accurate. Yes, that, that is very that's accurate. One,
0: that's one thing you can count on around here, that if you make a mistake,
2: it's not going to get smoothed over, right, Jake? <laughs> no, no, it's going to get played over and over again. Oh, speaking of that, David, not to start this, this interview off too randomly, but uh, a couple of months ago, we played the audio... Of you getting hit with the t shirt cannon for Gordon. And of course, oh. it's, it's a classic bit of audio. It's unbelievable. It makes me smile every time. But will you tell that story from your perspective?
3: Oh, I mean, my stand when I'm broadcasting. Um, so, therefore, um, I had a chair behind me, which acted as the key component. I had my head down looking at my computer out of my proprioception, I noticed that something was coming at me. And as I looked up, it hit me square in the forehead. (laughs) And it was a t-shirt out of a cannon gun. And I got knocked back and over the back of my chair and down. (laughs)
2: <laughs> it's just, you know, when you broadcast, and if you added up uh, how many minutes of jazz basketball you've broadcast over the years, David, you know, it, it it's infinite, right? And and the things that you've seen during those broadcasts, experienced or whatever, I'm sure you could write a book, but that one is hilarious. One in a million shot with the T-shirt cannon.
3: Yeah, until I realized how many other times it's been really, like, close to me. So now I'm just scared of it. Now, Now I have, you know... <laughs> I truly, actually, have like a, um, a little bit of a complex playing
2: playing defense. I like it. Yeah.
0: So, David, uh, based on what you've, the information you've heard and what you've read, and Adam Silver has indicated some degree of optimism. Where are you on the chances that uh, the NBA will have a postseason?
3: I'm um, been very optimistic the whole time. Um, I actually kind of think I'm exactly where I've always been, uh, which for those who did not hear it, is that the first thing is that the NBA has a tremendous amount of runway. Um, it's getting a little smaller, but the runway is based on the fact that the 2021, 2020, 2021 season will not start until mid to late December. And so therefore you don't need to finish this season until late September, um, maybe even later than that if you really have to. Which means you don't have to start it until mid-July, which means you don't have to get into camp until late June, um, and I think everything is pointing toward us playing some sort of basketball in July. Uh, I, I don't. I think all three sports will work together. I, I, there's not going to be a lone ranger out here, right? Gary Bettman and um rob manfeld and adam silver are going to work together i think we're going to see all three sports get launched sometime in july in in similar and different manners it's interesting the different models of what works for each place um, i'm hearing the nhl uh and it's been reported but i've also heard it from people that the nhl will really be, be in four locations it sounds like basketball will probably be in one or two and then major league baseball uniquely is looking to try to do it in their actual stadiums in the cities in which they can, even without fans. And then a team like Toronto that most definitely probably cannot um, will then do it in Florida or one of their spring training sites as Arizona and Florida open up. So I think we're going to see all three sports here in in July, uh, and uh, it'll be... good six weeks for us to wait for that but you know maybe some camps open and some things like that and get us revved up
2: you know one uh, good news piece of good news for the nba or so it would seem to me david and correct me if i'm wrong but it seems like the the nba and the nba players association seem to be rowing in the in the same direction and are both eager to uh, to get some sort of finality uh, to this season and we're not necessarily seeing the same thing in major league baseball or major league soccer for that matter why do you think it is that the nba and the pa are, are getting along so well at the moment
3: um, that's a good question. It might just be because we're finishing a current season, whereas the Major League Baseball is starting a new one, and that might have some difference. Major League Baseball is about to have a major, major, major labor dispute in the middle of a pandemic, which is probably not prudent. Um, and I don't know the MLS story on what's going on there. Um, MLS is hard though; they don't have a big TV contracts, right. so they, you know, it's hard for them to exist at the same. AHL just canceled the rest of their season because they don't have a TV contract, so there's no need to play. Um, so I don't know the MLS story on it. Um, but they're I, you know, they're
2: arguing over a 20% haircut for players. It's it's similar to baseball.
3: Well, baseball is different. Baseball's argument is that the owners presented a revenue share, right? right. and baseball has pride and joy as a union is that they have never, ever given up a revenue share and been victimized to a sal- by a salary cap. That is the Marvin all the way back to Marvin Miller and everything about the players' union. That is their pride and joy is that they have never allowed a revenue share and so therefore they've never had a salary cap. And the owners are trying to use this as an opportunity to present a revenue share. Um, 50-50, and even the tricky part about it is Jeff Passman's math on ESPN led you to believe that that 50-50 might actually even be better than what they would get otherwise. Um, But it's solely because they want to start the precedent of doing that, and the players' union just does not... That's their pride and joy, that they do not have a revenue share and do not have a salary cap.
0: Uh, I saw that uh, the uh, that MLB and the Players Association have agreed upon uh, for this season only uh, universal designated hitter uh, adaptation. And wondering uh, what your thoughts are on the DH. Uh,
3: if my dad, I'm going to go back to my father, the the, the brightest man I know. Um, my father always said, if there's a part of a sporting event in which you get up to go to the bathroom or you leave the room if you're watching on television to get something else done, they should get rid of it. And when the pitcher comes to hit is when you go to concessions. So they should get rid of it. I like it.
2: David Locke with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And David, I want to talk to you about the uh, Michael Jordan docu-series. And the last couple of episodes went over his relationship with his teammates. And I, it's interesting, the lenses that people are watching thing, this thing through. But uh, one of the lenses a lot of people seems to be going with is is excusing bad behavior just because the ends justified the means. What do you think about Michael Jordan, the teammate?
3: So Michael Jordan's the greatest player to ever play the game. Like, could have he been the greatest player to ever play the game and not just an absolute jerk? Like, like why does one have to be the other? You know, ESPN is referring to Magic as the fifth best player of all time. We've never heard stories of Magic's like the worst teammate ever in the history of the world. LeBron's tough. I was on a call with Matthew Dellavedova, who made a really fascinating comment about playing with LeBron, in which he talked about, you knew that you were a vehicle to his legacy, like playing with a player of that nature, you know, everything you're doing is going to impact his long-term legacy. And, 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 you're aware of that. It makes me believe maybe LeBron lets you know that you're going to be aware of that a little bit too. Um, I just don't buy this narrative that like, you have to be the biggest jerk on the planet to be a champion. I just, one, I don't think it's worth it, frankly, two, I don't buy it. And the t- most telling thing to me is we're going to finish a 10-hour documentary without anyone ever being recognized as Michael Jordan's friend other than maybe Ahmad Rashad. <laughs> but the two other people that are, like, in Jordan's life are his father and his driver. But, like, there's no one else in this thing that actually likes, like, seems to like him. Jed Bushler and... Like Will Purdue are pretty open about like what he would like as a teammate, right? Steve Kerr is polite because Steve Kerr's in the game still and understands how to do it, but it's pretty clear of what he is and how he treats everyone, and that's like in all aspects of life.
0: You know, this, I wrote a column about this, David, and it included some quotes from people who have other attitudes about winning and winning championships and one of them was John Wooden and he uh, i think he knows a thing or two about winning titles and he said something really profound to me it was a quote he he told me probably oh man i don't know maybe 10 years ago i don't i don't remember exactly when it was uh before he passed away obviously i think it was when he was 89 and he passed away at 99 but anyway uh he said that his definition of winning Was doing everything you can possibly do to make yourself as good as you can make yourself and he said the peace of mind that comes with that now when I think of Michael Jordan I'm not sure I see or sense peace of mind it's almost as though his appetite is so voracious as far as winning and dominating and being the alpha dog in the room transcends basketball into every part of life, and I'm not sure that coincides with peace of mind.
3: David Albert's book on Michael Jordan had two stories that, like, I think tell you what you – like, so one, Jordan used to choose where training camp is, and, you know, and I asked Phil, like, you know, Phil asked him, like, where do you want training camp? And the answer was, I don't care. There has to be a ping pong table. And the reason was because Horace Grant beat him in ping pong. So Michael hired a ping pong coach so that Michael could destroy Horace the next training camp in ping pong. Brad Sellers was a unique guy, got drafted by the Bulls. He was a rookie. He was like seven feet tall, long, skinny kid, had some like knee problems. So he liked to get his work done by cycling. And he would go on like these long bike rides. And Michael would take it as an insult that he would go on a bike ride longer than what, you know, and Michael wasn't going on a bike ride. So then Michael would start riding to ride longer than Brad Sellers.
2: Almost a sickness.
3: Well, I mean, I, I, did I, was I on this show when I told my. Scotty Pippen, Michael Jordan puzzle story from inside the Bulls locker room at the Delta Center? Or no. then Delta Center? No, tell us. All right, so there, let me just start this story by saying this happened in 1998, and it's 2020, and I'm getting old, and some of my memory doesn't always feel like it's exactly right and makes me nervous to tell old stories because I think, you know, if you've studied memory, it's not always great. So there's pieces of story that I'm sure over 20 some odd years have become a little bit of a wives tale and some things like that. But there was the old Cottonwood Mall and Jordan went out with his bodyguards and people to the old Cottonwood Mall or the Crossroads Mall, the one downtown. And at the time, those puzzle, those kind of like puzzles, which had like interlinked, um, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, and, you had, and the whole puzzle was to undo the interlinking of the things and then it becomes, do you remember those kind of things? Right. You know what I'm yeah. talking about? Uh-huh. They weren't like jigsaw puzzles. They were those kind of whatever. So he went to some store. The crowds got too big. He went back. He sent his body, told his bodyguard to buy him these puzzles. And he came back and bought like the four or five puzzles. And then Michael's like, no, no, we need two of every one of them. Because Michael can't just do the puzzle. He needs someone to compete with. To do the puzzle. So they get – this is Jazz Bulls. I think it's the year Pippen's come back off the trade deadline, trade thing. And so they're sitting down. This is a huge game, right? There's a rematch of the finals. It's the whole deal. And Jordan hands Pippen a puzzle pregame. The media's in the room and says, all right, ready, set, go. And they race, and Pippen wins. And so Jordan pulls out another two puzzles and gives them to him and now and Pippen wins again and now they're now Jordan's pissed and they hand him a third set of the puzzles and they do it again and Pippin wins, and they get to, he hands another one, and Pippin calls over the bodyguard and says, you know, like how many are there of these? And I think, you know, he says either like this is the last one or there's one more. And Pippin, we're all scared of Jordan because now he's mad. So Pippin now circles as the media kind of circle around him, and Pippin's not trying anymore. Pippin's going to let Jordan win because it's getting like close to game time. No one's warmed up. He's like, you know, like there's a game to be played tonight, and Jordan and Pippin. So Pippin loses. And Jordan pops up. I win. Pip's like, all right, let's go get ready. And Jordan gets in his face. You always beep and crack. You beep and beep. You're a loser. I always destroy you and I always beat you. You know, something of that sort. Like, I remember just being like, oh my gosh. And like, that's who he was. Like, and so maybe in his mind, like. He did, he broke him, he knows Scott, he didn't try. Or maybe he didn't try in the first three, I don't know. But that was like the end result to his teammate, just getting in his face and beep this and beep that. And it was incredible, I'll never forget it. Now, I might have forgotten pieces of it, but I wouldn't forget it, actually. That's, so, I can't imagine that I've made up that entire story in my brain. I'm pretty certain I experienced that. <laughs> so, David, what are you anticipating
0: in, in Episodes 9 and 10 and uh, the Jazz's role in this? Do you think we'll see respect out of the, uh, the team that Jordan conquered uh, in uh, 98? Or do you expect uh, a glorification of Michael with little credit given? What do you, what do you anticipate?
3: Um, I mean, I'm sure that he'll be outraged that Carl Malone won two MVPs, right? Like, that's been <laughs> every single slight that there possibly could be, and I'm pretty certain we're going to hear about it. And I, I'd be curious, I was talking with Dave Fox for Channel 2 last night. Do you, I work, My memory on that first NBA Finals is that Carl is uncomfortable with the fact that he's won the MVP. The pressure on Carl to try to outplay Michael because he's the MVP was a part of that series. Do you agree? Do you agree with me on that? I agree with you 100%. Um, and so I don't know if that'll be portrayed or not, or I'd be curious to see, um, you know, I'd be curious to see what they, um, how they portray that. But I think, you know, that was, to me, that was part of that final was was Michael and, um, and that pressure. And that's also when Scottie Pippen walks by Carl and tells him that Mailman doesn't deliver on a Sunday and he misses a bunch of free throws, right? Right. So I'm I'm sure that I'm sure that comes in. Um, and the, but I but I think the larger it's it'll be interesting to see how much the jazz play in it, because the larger story is obviously, you know, that they're coming to an end. Um, the other memory that I have, you probably have it as well is because you were there. It's also um, was game five in Chicago of the ninety 98- eight finals, which is the last dance, the Bulls are up three games to one. And I'm going to try to pull up, if I can find this, what the score was. But the Bulls are up three games to one, and we go to the fourth quarter of Game 5 in Chicago. And they play the Green Day time of our lives story. The Jazz have just outscored the Bulls 29-19 in the third. And were, uh, I think the Jazz are up four heading to the fourth, but they've pre, you know, they're so convinced they're going to win the title that they're actually start doing like the coronation of this has the, been the time of our lives, like graduation song with this big highlight video going into the fourth quarter. Cause it's kind of their last long extended break chance to pay tribute to this team. And that's what they do in to open up the fourth quarter in the arena. My memory of uh, that, and, I, and, and I'm pretty certain they're not going to talk about how Michael went one for seven in that fourth quarter.
0: That that my memory of that game, David, is that was the most unexpected win in the history of jazz basketball. That was a game the Jazz could not win, and they won it. It was it was unbelievable. I remember walking around the arena, and walking out that night going, kind of like Jack Buck, I can't believe what I just saw. Because you're right. The entire arena was ready to celebrate. And the entire town was ready to celebrate. And I'll be daggone if the spirit of Jerry Sloan didn't take over his team that night. And I saw well, that team fight in a way that I had never seen before.
3: Well, game, if we recall, game three is a catastrophic disaster, right? It's maybe the worst performance by any team in the history of the NBA finals. The, with their, they with five minutes left in game four, they take the lead 70 to 69. And if I remember correctly, they have like two field goals the rest of the way while it matters. And one's by Hornacek and one's by, Maybe both are by Hornacek or maybe Chris Morris. I mean, I hate to go back to this, but the mailman does not score in the final five minutes of that game until there's like nine seconds left. It's over. Like they're down by eight, and he scores with like six seconds left. I'm doing this off the top of my head, so I could be slightly wrong, but they like they they ha- like we don't talk about that game four at all? I mean, the Jazz were really a better team than the Bulls in that final series, that final year, and they take the lead with five minutes left by one, and, you know, Pippen's on his last legs, and, you know, they they have it. Like, I think Jordan scores like eight points, ten points, eleven points in that final five minutes or something like that, while well, Stockton and Malone don't score. I mean, that's my memory, is both Stockton and Malone don't score in the final five minutes of game four. Like it's, it's just awful, right? Like they win game four, they're tied to two and they've got two more coming at home. Like they're going to win it. And you're right. They go to game five and there's, they've put out the worst performance in the history of the NBA finals. Their two stars have a signature moment on the road. That it's going to take to win it. And neither of them score in the final five minutes. There's, no chance they're showing up for game five. And they prove what they proved time and time and time again in their careers, which is they will always fight. And Mailman was unbelievable in game five. I think he had, what, 39 and 20 or something like that? I think 40. It wasn't 40, but it might not have been 20 rebounds. I think I might be exaggerating. But I think he had 39 and 14 or something insane. Um, in that game, I think Stockton was pretty darn good as well, but, and then, and, and they win that, they don't win that one. That one's close. Like, I mean, to your point, sorry, I'm just babbling. Cause I'm kind of running through the memory bank. That one is, um, that one's pretty close down the stretch. If I remember correctly, like I, I think if I were, uh, we're ahead most of the way, and I think lead it by, you know, five, six, five or six late, like it's not a buzzer beat or anything like that, but it got, it gets a trying to remember, I can't quite remember, but I mean, I think we're up five or six down late, but there's some big plays in that one. And, and then sorry to keep out, it. what I also remember is all the fans were around the United center to celebrate the bulls championship. They didn't get a bulls championship. So they went after our bus. I was on the, I was with the team. And as we were driving, out, I think we had two or three buses. The fans were fans went after the bus and were like rocking our bus as it was driving. And like, I remember people yelling at the driver, just drive, just drive. So Um, Kind of crazy stuff.
0: Another thing I remember real quick about that series in game two, after the Jazz had won game one, they had an opportunity to go up two zip in that series. Uh, And they they lost that game, if I remember right, by about four points. But down the stretch, Carmelo ended up five of 16 or something like that from the floor, and he didn't score down the stretch. And I remember thinking, man, okay, that's the difference, uh, what we're dealing with here. You got Jordan over there who, who, who cannot – uh, allow this thing to go the other way, and Carmelo and Malone did allow it to go against his team. And that's what set up Game 5, another thing that set up that Game 5 performance that was so remarkable. It was like, wait a minute. If you can play like that in Game 5, why couldn't you play like that in Game 2 or Game 3? I And, I, and a, I'm actually going to
3: go... I'm going to take a step back. My memory even... And I'm going to have to go back and look at these numbers. And, and I, to all Jazz fans, I sincerely apologize if I'm wrong on this, but I remember hosting talk shows about it. And, and some people might remember a Salt Lake Tribune article after the finals that involved me. Um, it wasn't that Carl wasn't scoring. And it wasn't, it was he wasn't shooting. I think if you go back and it and i'd be I'd be curious to go back and rewatch those games, because Carl had been such a dominant force in the NBA as a two time MVP and so unstoppable that it was such an unthinkable thought that he couldn't even get shots off. John was having the same problem, but John was six one, being guarded by six six five Ron Harper and by Scottie Pippen and by Jordan. And and I'll have to again. I'm going to apologize to all Jazz fans if I'm wrong on my memory on this. But if we go back through it, I think if you look at the final five minutes of Game Two and of Game Four of that series, which are the two key ones they lost. I mean, we'll all talk about Game Six shot, but those. those are, the, those are the ones. I think if you go back and look at the final five minutes of those two close games, I don't think John got a shot off, and I don't know if Carl did.
2: Well, David, we always appreciate it. Thanks for jumping on with us, man. We'll catch you next week. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you, David. David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. We'll have a quick drop of the day coming up next, not sports report, at 5.50, and today should be a really fun one. So stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone.
0: If you missed yesterday's uh, sounds uh, uh, of various uh, clips, then you won't know exactly what we're talking about right now. But that is definitely appointment radio, isn't it?
2: Sounds of various clips here, also known as Drops of the Day on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to do a quick one because we've got a good not sports report coming up next. But Gordon, you selected our Drop of the Day today
0: well yeah we discussed about five different ones and uh i think we decided on the mike gundy i'm a man one is that what
2: we did yeah that uh that's okay. what you nominated let's get uh let's get to it okay on this
4: game. going will talk about this article right here if anybody hasn't read this article i don't read it this was brought to me by a mother of children i think this is worth reading let me tell you why I'm to talk about this article. Three-fourths of this is inaccurate. It's fiction. And this article embarrasses me, but you haven't have that. But someday you will. And when your child comes home, you'll understand. If you want to go after an athlete, one of my athletes, you go after one that doesn't do the right things. You don't downgrade him because he does everything right and may not play as well on Saturday. And you let us make that decision. That's why I don't read the newspaper. Because it's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. Attacking an amateur athlete for doing everything right. And then you want to write articles about guys that don't do things right and downgrade them, the ones that do make plays. Are you kidding me? Where are we at in society today? Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. I'm not a, I'm not a kid. Write something about me or our coaches. we write about a kid that does everything right, that's hearts broken, and then say that the coaches said he was scared. That ain't true. And then to say that we made that decision because Donovan Woods, because he threatened to transfer, that's not true. So get your facts straight, and I hope someday you have a child, and somebody be downgrades them and belittles them, and you have to look them in the eye and say, you know what? It's okay. They're supposed to be mature adults, but they're really not. Who's the kid here? Who's the kid here? Are you kidding me? And that's all I got to say. It makes me want to puke.
2: <laughs> makes me want to puke. Hmm. That guy's still employed.
0: Yeah, I uh I understand the coach sometimes being uh, somewhat uh, disappointed that things don't uh come out exactly the way he may have scripted them. But if I, if memory serves, I think the person who wrote the the uh the story that he was so upset about was a woman.
1: Yeah, Jenny Carlson. Jenny Carlson. Yeah. Really yeah. good
0: journalist. And, and remarkable that he would go after her about the having a kid thing and all that. But uh, anyway, he was upset about it, and he disagreed with it, so that was the way he handled it. Um, I don't know who, who who you could complain more about, the loss of control or the loss of really presenting the absolute truth, uh, the writer who wrote what she wrote or the coach that went berserk. Hmm.
2: You know, another one we may have to get to coming up is the Dan Hawkins, uh, the St. Intermural's brother. That was a pretty good one. <laughs> Yeah, huh.
0: there's some good ones, and we're 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 burning through them. But uh, we plenty more where that came from.
2: No doubt. All right, not sportsport coming up next. Stay tuned. Ninety-seven-five and twelve eighty of the zone. <laughs> Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 975 and 1280 the zone. Time for the Nod Sports Port. Brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket, over 1,000 used vehicles and inventory. Shop online, LHM Used com. Gordon, where are we going today? I'm not exactly sure where
0: <laughs> where this story originated, but uh, the, uh, the, the 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 major part of it has taken place at a Waffle House. Okay. There's some weird things that happen at Waffle House, huh? We don't have them here. But anyway, this was posted on Reddit, I believe, originally. And it, uh, I guess, that, is that uh, somewhere where you can just about post uh, on any subject uh, of your choosing?
2: Yeah, it's basically a message board.
0: Okay. Well, this woman wrote in and said that uh, she has a good relationship with her boyfriend and that they are planning on getting married. And all systems are go except for one little detail. His favorite place to go eat is at Waffle House, and there was a lo- there was one nearby where they they were. And every time she'd say, "Where do you want to go get some to eat?" He would say, "Waffle House." So they would go to this Waffle House over and over again. But and and, and both of these people are educated, college educated, uh, uh, successful. And uh, and yet, whenever they went to the Waffle House, uh, the boyfriend, as she described it, would order eggs. And the cook at the Waffle House would always prepare his eggs the wrong way. The way he, he wanted them to be runny. Because that's the way he liked his eggs. And he complained about his eggs being too firm when the first time he got it. And so from that point on, that cook picked a fight with this boyfriend. Every time he came in and ordered eggs, he would prepare it the wrong way. And it got to the point where the boyfriend was really getting agitated. And the girlfriend describes him as a level-headed, kind, loving soul who is good to the people he works with. He's good to animals. He's kind. But... He, he was had it about up to here with the incorrectly prepared eggs. So one day they went in, and he always wanted to go back to that Waffle House. He said, let's go to a different Waffle House. And he said, no, it's a, it's a matter of principle. He's got to get these eggs right. So they go in, and he ordered the eggs, and the eggs came back wrong again. And by now, the cook is doing it on purpose, and so they got into a, into a fist fight.
2: Right there in the restaurant.
0: The boyfriend started punching, and the cook was punching back, and she's sitting there going, I can't believe what I'm watching here. And apparently, it happened more than once.
3: <laughs>
2: this guy and got fed kept... up with getting the wrong eggs on purpose, because the cook yeah, she... is messing with him.
0: And she kept saying, "Come on, let's just go somewhere else or let's do something different." And he said, "No, I'm going back. It's a matter of principle." And so now, because of this violence, this display of violence with her boyfriend, she's starting to wonder whether she should be concerned. Now, about now the him fights
2: were more than just this behavior. one time, right? Didn't it happen yeah, it, a bunch? Yeah, it happened on multiple. And he it, kept yeah, going happened. back. Yes. Yeah. So he knows and, that this cook is messing with him, but he's going to get the last laugh. He's going to get he's, his he's eggs right. He's still
0: right. And that's why he keeps going back. And he's going to keep fighting
2: says, this guy until he gets indeed. his eggs a little runny.
0: And she says, she writes on this post, we're getting married this summer. He's accepted a job in a new city. And it'll be easy for me to find work after the wedding. So we'll be moving away from this uh, sworn enemy Waffle House guy. He hasn't really been out since quarantine started, but it wouldn't surprise me if that's the first place he goes (laughs) when restaurants open back up for sitting customers. But my main worry is this strange, vindictive side of him I've never seen before that that leads him to fight the same guy every week. The violence itself is an issue for me, but the obsession over it almost bothers me more. Should I be worried that this side of him will come up later in our marriage, how do I get him to open up about this? Is this type of obsession a choice or is it indicative of something
2: deeper? One of the
0: one of the messages on this was from somebody who said this woman is really sleeping on getting to watch her boyfriend beat up a Waffle House cook every week.
2: <laughs> Which would be pretty awesome. <laughs> See, he's I think going. this is a, I think this is a good. This is a good trait in this guy. Showing is is that he, he has, losing the fight? Yeah, he's got. Well, he's got principle. You know, he's not going to be messed with, not going to be well, trifled with by some uh, dude slinging bacon and eggs. You know, he's gonna well, going to keep going back until he get he, his eggs. Dang it. He's got
0: the stu- stick to it this. I'll give him that. That's what I'm saying. Now, let me let me get this right. See, I like my eggs prepared a certain way uh, so I can relate to that side of it. But I don't know if then there's fighting words, you know.
2: Well, if the, the the cook's obviously intentionally messing with this guy,
1: have you ever that can, noticed that can be fighting words right there? It's not about the I've... eggs anymore. That's the point. <laughs> if he doesn't have go you... back to that Waffle House, that cook knows he wins. That cook wins. <laughs> and you don't He's you don't want to marry let... a loser? No,
2: they're not going to let that cook win. Nope. I'm doing this, this show guy. with a couple of Michael Jordans here. Not this you're guy. Not, you're not going to let
0: this guy beat you. No way. See, the problem is that, for instance, take your scrambled egg. I mean, have you noticed how everybody overcooks their scrambled eggs? They, they're supposed I beg your to be—they're supposed to be soft and kind of easy to eat, not hard and all clumped together. People don't get it right, and they should. I understand that part of it. I get that part of it. I understand it, but I don't understand the fisticuffs.
1: So I wish you would stand for something. Well, Gordon. I wouldn't
2: fight over scrambled eggs either. Oh wow. all right. But
0: she's asking for advice on this, fellas. So I've got, I've got my thoughts. Uh, yours? Would you uh, recommend caution moving forward? Go ahead and, and get married, or are you? Do you think this is? These are grounds uh, upon which to end the betrothment. Heck, no! Hitch that wagon,
2: guy's got passion.
1: <laughs> He's not fighting her. Yeah. He's protecting their uh, livelihood. Right.
0: Well, he kept saying that. She kept saying, honey, let's just go somewhere else. Let's avoid this. And he said, hell no. I'm going to go.
1: How do you think this and country I- was founded, Gordon? By going to another place or by fighting for the one we wanted? <laughs> right. <laughs> this is my waffle This is
0: America. House. Yeah. So you think this is a this is a whole as a positive in the whole scenario. You think that she should be proud of her man and
1: stand by her man. She yeah. should know that if she were ever wronged by somebody, he can handle things.
2: If if she gets uh, you know, medium rare when she ordered uh,
1: medium <laughs> and she seems to be the non-confrontational uh, kind of person, but he ain't. So she so could bu- let him
0: do it. So I buy, buy cracky. If 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 he's not going to settle for those eggs being overcooked, then then he's going to be there for her when she needs him.
1: E- eggs today, uh, house price tomorrow, <laughs> uh, used car salesman—they'll all get it over you if you let the cook at the waffle house get the he's better of you. He's not going
2: to win. That's right. I take it, Gordon, you'd yeah. tell this gal to break up with him.
0: Uh, not necessarily that, but I—the I, violence does worry me. But he sounds like a completely. Wonderful fellow. Otherwise, I, I might uh, do everything I could to keep him out of a Waffle House. But the problem there is, fundamental problem, is that breakfast food is his favorite. And it stems back to his childhood because uh, his uh, somewhere along the line, his one of his parents refused to serve him breakfast at any time other than like from 7 to 9 a.m. So he does have some deep-seated issues of some sort.
1: See, he's passionate about it. Yeah. I like that. Guy's got some fire in his belly. I tell you, she breaks up with him. The next guy she goes with is not going to be anywhere near as good. Agreed. Couldn't agree. Uh, She's going to settle for a milk toast is what she's going to get.
0: No, she's going to settle for a man who can eat his eggs any which way.
1: Boring. Just take it from the man. (laughs) Yeah, right. Let some cook at a Waffle House mess with him. Gets into a fender bender that isn't his fault and pays for the other guy's fix.
0: Yeah, but see, discretion here is important. You know, you stand up for what should be stood up for. You don't stand up for something as minor as the way your eggs are boiled, fried, scrambled, cooked.
2: No, yeah, that's not how I was raised. Some of us have uh, morals and values. and That's exactly how I was raised. Some of us don't.
0: Uh, so, so I'll look forward to hearing about you guys fight, getting into a fight with someone at a restaurant because your food wasn't served to you properly.
1: By the weekend's
2: finish. It's not, it's a, you're the missing the point. It's not the food was served to him improperly. Is that that cook intentionally messed with him.
0: Yeah, but it, you know, here's the problem with that. You don't pick a fight with a cook. Especially in a place you keep going back to, because you're going to go back. How? Who's to say the guy's not, you know, loogieing in your eggs? Well, what, a, Gordon? Think about this. Because for you, a second. now you've now you've ticked off the cook, and you don't do that. That's rule number one of going to a restaurant: do not tick off the cook.
2: Gordon, what if you took the, the Ferrari into a mechanic, and the mechanic just kept creating more problems than he was solving? You'd be you'd be from zero to fistfight in about thirty seconds.
1: No, I wouldn't I just go to a different garage. The other Ferrari repairman. Yeah, right.
2: <laughs> and that just shows that you're weak. A real man would just stay there and demand that they fix it.
0: No, you keep demanding to fix it, he's probably gonna break it even more. So you guys gotta know you gotta know who to pick your fights with. You don't pick a fight with a cook. You don't pick a fight with a Ferrari mechanic.
1: I thought Jake was the don't win can't tr- or can't try whatever.
0: What is it, can't win, don't
1: try? Here's Gordon. Pick
0: your spots, fellas. That's, I mean, you got to win. So
1: BYU should just never play Utah again because it doesn't look good, right?
0: No, well, well, yeah, but here's the thing. You know, (laughs) Utah can't spit in BYU's
1: eggs. They could if they wanted. They certainly could. (laughs) (laughs) And you're telling BYU to just just go somewhere else. Who knows where that spatula's been that
0: he's stirring those eggs with?
2: <laughs> All right, stay tuned. I, I, I don't what? wanna take
0: it I don't wanna take a chance on that.
2: More big show Look, next. You're not you're not gonna win a fight with a cook. Ninety and twelve eighty of the zone. Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott 97.5, and 1280 the zone. Another Wednesday comes and goes, Gordon, but at least it feels like this week we've got some a little more optimism or at least a little bit more progress toward hopefully getting our beloved sports back.
0: Yeah, I think Jake, you said earlier in the week, uh, baby steps, uh, those steps are being taken right now. It feels that and way, doesn't it? It does feel that way. And uh, I think we're getting closer to seeing some. New hope for for some live games again, and I just hope everything is, is done deliberately in a way where caution it does play a big role and the safety of the the safety of everyone who's involved with the production of these games. I hope they can make that happen, even if the arenas, the stadiums are absolutely vacant.
2: Well, Gordon, we'll uh, be talking about more developments tomorrow, I'm sure, because it seems like something develops new each and every day. So uh, looking forward to finding out what that is. But in the meantime, enjoy your evening.
0: You too, Jake, and you as well, Austin, and all our listeners. Stay safe, stay sane.
2: Talk to you on the big show tomorrow, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.